You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. We had a great show today as part of our summer NBA team preview editions we've been doing. This was uh, Canis Hoopis joining us to talk about the Timberwolves. That's Eric Goldman and John Meyer, uh, Mike, and, and, and I'm Ben, obviously. Uh, um, you know, We had a lot of fun with this one because this is the first actually good team or, or team that we expect to be a playoff team potentially next year uh, that we have gotten to do for the summer preview, so it was a lot of fun. Um, as always, you know, this podcast is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We encourage you to check out all the other great podcasts podcasts we have uh, and we are always and can always be found I should say on the Apple Podcasts Spotify and on SBNation.com backslash MBA and then one of the things we'd always like to ask for is some some reviews and some ratings um, it goes a long way to us you know, we love producing great content for our listeners and we appreciate it when you go out there and, and do all those good things for us so please subscribe rate and review uh, to the Limited Upside Podcast and uh, we love the feedback give us comments send us questions um, you know we've done something like change the music to this podcast and we like our music now because of a recommendation uh, from a listener so um, you know please send us uh, our, our way and then we also you know like getting your tweets and like getting your emails so uh, on Twitter, you can hit us up at, at Mike Prada SBN or at limited underscore upside or at EpiBen. Uh, and you can also send emails to Mike at um, that's Mike Prada at SBNation.com. So sit back and enjoy this Minnesota Timberwolves edition of the Limited Upside podcast. Friends, we're back on the Limited Upside Podcast, team preview number nine of 30. We're almost a third of the way through. The Minnesota Timberwolves, our first team that's probably going to be good next year. We've got two folks from our great uh, Minnesota Timberwolves site, Canis Hoopis, uh, Eric Goldman, and uh, John Meyer. Friends, it's a good time to be a Wolves fan right now, right? It's wonderful. Yeah, awesome. it's great. I feel like I'm... By like osmosis to liking the game of basketball, I think it's a wonderful time to be a Wolves fan. So I'm excited for this podcast, Mike. I told you in the beginning of this whole season preview, I wanted to be a part of the Timberwolves one. So didn't you didn't just plan one without me again? Like the last, I don't know, five. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm doing, <laughs> planning it without you. Um, but yeah, Minnesota. It's been a long playoff drought, but pretty awesome trade for Jimmy Butler. Uh, some other big moves. Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, like uh, John, what do you think the mood of the fan base is? And if you had to pick a word. First off, just to address your point that this is the first podcast you have to talk about a good team. That's that's very odd for me to hear, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but also very cool. But I think uh, the word that sticks out to me is just stoked. I, I think everyone is very, very excited for this upcoming season because the Jimmy Butler trade immediately puts the Wolves in the group of teams that are legitimate. He, he's that good. And Carl Anthony Towns is that good. And it gives you a real one-two punch when you're looking at the whole league. These guys together, it's one of the best one-two punches in the NBA. And uh, Tibbs, he, he's a really good coach. And I think that just it, it's going to be an interesting season uh, just to watch the Wolves come together. But I think the fan base is really stoked and really excited that like the Timberwolves have a team that is for real for the first time in 13 years. I mean, we had the Kevin Love, Kevin Martin teams with Rubio and Adelman. You know, we went 41-41. That team was good. They, um, but they weren't for real. And I think, uh, I think this team really gives a lot of people hope around the city. Man, that was good. I think Stoked is a fantastic way to kick this off. And you were saying before the show that you're bad at word association. <laughs> that was great. I was saying, like, Mike, that was one of the best actual full, you know, throttled answers we've had to that question thus far. Yeah. Ultimately, it was cohesive. So, the points right there. Well done. Yeah. Well, um, so, Eric, now it's a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, right. Well, you know, that's why I, uh, that's why I made John my, my editor. Uh, Look, yeah, of course, he's right. Everybody's very excited. It's a very exciting time. I mean, you know, in years past, 
we've sort of occasionally managed to talk ourselves into believing in something around this time of year because what else are you going to do? But realistically, you know, it was always a ton of ifs involved in the Wolves being even passable as a team over the past decade plus. Now, look, there's talent. Jimmy Butler, you, you know, is an all-NBA quality player and is a guy who changes the franchise in a lot of ways. So very exciting. Tibbs really kind of slow played last year in a lot of ways and then just struck this summer. And so, well, yeah, everybody's really looking forward to the season getting started and it's going to be hopefully very exciting. I want to get into the other part of this aside from the, and Mike, I know this is something we talked about today when we were planning this podcast is it's really fascinating to kind of get to the dynamic of, a really young, uh, but ultimately some really tough personalities, hard guys, like guys who want to be the leader of the team, who, who might have uh, the chip on their shoulder on and off the court from a leadership standpoint and also uh, an accountability standpoint. Carl Anthony Towns is someone who we have talked a lot about be, being someone who might be too young to want to bear the amount of weight that he actually puts on himself. And we, we talked about this, I think, in last year's uh, preview and at one point during the season. Um, but then ultimately you have Jimmy Butler here, who's another very dominant personality and, and you know, fitting in Jeff Teague and a little bit of the old school Taj Gibson Bulls personality. And then there's this other wild card, Andrew Wiggins, who Mike and I are very interested to hear your thoughts on is we do not know that much about the guy himself. In my opinion, Mike, I think he's one of the more interesting guys we don't know about uh, in the league in Wiggins. So John, I'd love to get your thoughts first on how you think this fit is Jimmy Butler from a personality standpoint, and then talk me through how that's going to you know uh, project on the court as well. Sure. I think Jimmy Butler from a personality standpoint is an amazing acquisition for the Timberwolves. I think he is the perfect guy to bring in next to Andrew. Andrew's a quiet guy. He's reserved. He's shy. He's soft-spoken. He doesn't have much to say. I always joke with people, if if I want an Andrew Wiggins quote, I could just ask myself the question. <laughs> and then I, I just say five words to myself, and that would be the answer. But I think Jimmy, to me, he strikes me as the guy that is going to hold Wiggins accountable on both ends of the floor, but mainly defensively, but also just get him to come out of that shell. He's a popcorn player. When it's on the national stage, he comes out and he really balls out a lot. But the games on a cold January night on a Wednesday against Charlotte, it's like, okay, you kind of look sleepy. You were running up and down the court. You weren't doing you know, what we expect out of a superstar future max level player. He's going to get the max. Um, so I think what Butler does is I think he gives – that he brings that kind of attitude and into the locker room. He's a veteran. He's been there. He's done that. He's one of the best players in the NBA. And I think he can just really push Andrew to say, hey, man, you got all the tools, but now it's time to use them. And so my hope is that he brings him out of that shell. And I think we did see it a little bit in year three. I think Tibbs, one of the first things he did was really ask Andrew to step up from a leadership standpoint to stay back, do your interviews, talk to people, don't be shy. Um, kind of step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I saw that a little bit last year, and I'm hoping that Jimmy can even, and Taj too, can can bring that out of him a little bit more. Eric, what are your thoughts on that, man? I, I think that's pretty, it's pretty interesting to think of this guy as someone who um, goes 100% off the court, Mike. I know this is one of the things we were talking about uh, today. It was yeah. kind of, he can't detach himself from the effort he puts on the court in a lot of ways, and it might wear, which might ultimately be a good thing. I guess that's ultimately how I see um Carl Anthony Towns as well, someone who might have 38, 14, a couple blocks, uh, but then ultimately after the game, he he's wearing this defeat like it's his his fault. You know, yeah, I, I, I wonder if yeah. both those guys don't have that same characteristic, but I, and, uh, hopefully that can be uplifting. But I want to you know know what can you can be grading to too. I think yeah. is sort yeah. of the the thing I wonder about. I mean, he's an amazing player, and I cannot believe that that's all it took to get him. But I do wonder about like there's two very strong personalities. And then the the swing player, I think, when you look at the future of this team in Wiggins, is the complete opposite. And so I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, I would say this about it. I, I think John hit a lot of great points about Wiggins. I think Towns wants to be that guy. You know, he wants it on his shoulders. But I'm not sure he quite knows what that means. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Ben's right. He would have these huge games. Uh, and they would lose, and he would insist that he just didn't do enough, that it's on him, that it's all, you know. And, you know, I think he believes it, but I also don't know that he quite knows where to take that approach. 
um, to be most successful. And I'm hoping that he can learn from uh, Butler and some of the other veterans uh, they acquired this summer how to make best use of, you know, that desire to win, that feeling of responsibility. Um, because, you know, he always said all those things, and I think he meant them, uh, but I'm not sure he was able to then translate that into anything else. And mm-hmm. I hope he he learns that. Uh, you know, Wiggins is never going to be the big personality, as John pointed out. And I do think that for him, the on-court stuff, learning how to do more things on the court successfully, you know, is it's really where the focus needs to be for him. I mean, mm-hmm. Butler's going to be a big personality. Um, Towns is going to be a big personality. I'm not sure they really need much of that from Wiggins. They just need him to get better at basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Jimmy Butler helps him get better? Or do you then channeling him into certain roles that he's better at? Or does he sort of cramp on what Wiggins really wants to do? That's another, I think, really interesting question. I mean, I think he will help him get better. Or at least I'm not worried about him him getting cramped by Butler. I mean, you know, Wiggins, we could go on, you know, and John and I have talked about this, you know, we could go on and on about Wiggins. I'm not sure that the development he's gotten in his first three years has really served him that well. Um, you know, he was essentially been just given the ball and told to go score, uh, which he does with some flair and ability. But, you know, last year after his first two seasons, when he basically would, you know, the most of the offense or a lot of the offense anyway, revolved around him getting the ball in the mid post and then trying to score last year, at least for the first half or two thirds of the season, just try to make him into a pick and roll ball handler. Yep. Which did not go that well. So much so, in fact, that they went back to a more uh, Ricky Rubio oriented offense later in the season, even though, as we now, you know, as we saw, Tibbs wasn't particularly eager to make Rubio part of the team long term. You know, I there are a lot of things about Wiggins' game that I'm looking forward to seeing this season. I think one thing he might be able to take advantage of a lot is getting the ball against a scrambling defense off Butler Towns pick and rolls off Teague Towns pick and rolls, getting the defense moving and then getting the ball and being able to make a move from there. And that fits in with what he does well. And I think is something that I, you know, will help him make him more efficient, all those things. But of course, scoring is not really his major problem. So, right. <laughs> everything else that we'll see, we'll see yeah. how that goes. But no, I'm not worried about Butler cramping his style. I think the one thing I'm really excited about is just to see a lower usage Wiggins, just to see how that works. We don't, like Eric said, we don't have to pound the ball into the mid post. We don't have to ask Andrew to create out of pick and roll. That's not his, that's not really what he's good at. Um, Jimmy Butler is good at that. And so I'm excited to see Wiggins playing more in the corner to see if he can, you know, really be that corner three guy and then cutting baseline, running in transition. He's really good in transition, has a great PPP uh, points per possession. And I think that's something I want to see more of. I am excited to see Wiggins exist in a defense, a team defense that can actually play well. I think something we saw was with Garnett and Tayshawn Prince. It was like 800 minutes or so. And Rubio and Wiggins and Towns, it was a good defense. And so I think when you put in legitimate veterans that can play good team defense and communicate, which I think they're absolutely getting in Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson, that the the burden on Wiggins to stand out defensively is it's going to be so much less. And so I think that I'm expecting just this lower usage Wiggins on a team that actually matters. One thing about Andrew is that people have always said this, is he just recognizes when games don't matter. And hate it or love it, the guy doesn't want to exert himself if he perceives a game to not mattering. And so I've always said is when the Timberwolves like, are actually on the cusp of being a good team in the Western Conference, a team that teams fear, that every game matters for playoff positioning, I just, I just feel deep in my heart that we're going to get this Wiggins more often that we love to see, the guy that's jamming over Gobert and screaming. This, yeah. like, I just think that... 
as the team improves, I've always thought Wiggins, his analytics are going to look better and people aren't going to look at him through a microscope as much. And now that he's the third guy, I just think that really, I like that pecking order with Towns, yeah. Butler, and Wiggins. Right. And you're about to give the third guy a max deal. Um, and- <laughs> well, only if he improves. Only if he commits to improving, though, according to the owner. <laughs> Is that the like, stupidest comment I've ever that's just yeah. Glenn Taylor liking the sound of his own voice. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, John, John, and I—I've discussed Wiggins at length. I mean, I'm somewhat less optimistic. That's not to say I think he's terrible or what have you, but you know, we're three years in. We're nine thousand minutes into his career. The guy's got to get better at defense. I mean, it's bad. I mean, you know, last year prior to last season, there was a lot of talk about the, you know, the wolves are going to be much better you know, they, they've got tips that, you know, they've got Wiggins heading into his third year, Zach Levine heading into his second year, Carl Towns, you know, heading into his second year or, you know, whatever it was. And I, I don't remember what the over under was in Vegas, but it was a lot more than the 31 wins they wound up with. And the reason they only wound up with 31 wins, or at least a big one was, 27th in defense, yeah. But, you know, but a lot of that, first of all, Towns was quite poor defensively, and that's got a change. That's got to change. But, you know, the wing defense was so bad. I mean, yeah. really brutally bad. And a lot but, of that's on Wiggins. I mean, I just qu- gave- question about this, too, though, guys. Like, with these types of players athletically and also age wise, I mean, look, Taj Gibson's an older fellow, but it's still the rest of the team. Teague, what is he, 29, maybe? Yeah, and like yeah. likes yep. to get up and down the court. Right, well, Jamal so, Crawford is held. Yeah, but Jamal Crawford's game is open court basketball. They were twenty fifth in pace, I think I have in my notes last year, and they they play I don't know a possession to possession basketball. Didn't seem as much of a flow as you'd like to have with the types of players they have. Would you like to see them play a more up tempo game? That's actually one of my biggest beefs uh, with Tibbs. Mm. Uh, and I know that you have to play good defense to play with an up-tempo pace a lot of time. I mean, you can't push in transition if you can't get a stop. Sure. So I think that – but that's one thing. Like the Timberwolves, they were loaded last year with really high-level transition players. Zach Levine, sure. Andrew Regan, Shabazz Mohammed. These guys are among the top 15 to 20 best in points per possession in transition. Hmm. And so – and they have Ricky Ru- – and they had Ricky Rubio. They yeah, play the guy yeah. – the, the, one of the best transition point guards in the NBA. He can hit anybody with the pass. I mean, so I was super disappointed with that. My hope is that as the defense improves, they can play with better pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it'll come true, but I, I think my gut says with, with Butler, with Taj, with Tibbs, I know Towns has told me that it was just a lot to take in defensively. Uh, his playbook was huge. And just really trying to play defense in the NBA is tough. I mean, we all want it to be easy, but it's hard. Yeah, I've done it many times. I think it's very easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do it all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to play faster. This feels like classic Tibbs ball style team, grind it out. You know, yeah, but it's be- like it feels. Doesn't it feel like clipping the wings kind of a little bit? A little bit, but they're going to be good anyway. I mean, like look at yeah. the talent on the team. But I mean, yeah. definitely feels a little bit like. Clipping the wings. They're on TV 25 times nationally next year. So the talent definitely has some attractors there. It's so, 18. dollars. 18. We don't count NBA TV. Oh, come on. NBA TV counts. No, it doesn't. Do you guys get so, NBA TV? Not everybody gets I, NBA TV. I, I do I get do NBA not. TV. I do get it. Yeah, yeah I, I do. And like it's, it's less it's less about the fact that it's, uh, you know, subscription based, generally speaking, or a particular part of a package. It's more that people who actually want to watch basketball are going to have the opportunity to see them as part of a more basic cable package as opposed to having to get like NBA TV or something. So it does matter. Uh, and I think it's good to just have that. Even if it's NBA TV, it means it's a game that they wanted to at least showcase, right? So I think that's I guess so. I mean, they, fl- they flex those out. Um, real basic, more <laughs> more basic question. I mean, like, so we talked a ton about Wiggins, which is good because I think he's one of the most interesting players in the NBA this year. Uh, I'm just – Maybe the most interesting player in the NBA this year that does not play for a team that's probably going to win the title. Um, sorry, they're not going. They're probably not going to win the title. It's okay. We'll settle for the playoffs. Yeah. So, what are we like? What actually are we ex- expecting from Towns this year? I mean, I, I think the conversation got a little. 
it's same thing happened to Anthony Davis, right? So we come into last year and we like are talking the hell up about him and the team doesn't do so well and suddenly he kind of is an afterthought. And then he was like a monster offensively in the second half of the year last year once we stopped, started forgetting about him. So what exactly are Wolves fans looking for from him in his third year? All NBA? I mean, I don't know how realistic that is, but I, he is a sh- shockingly talented basketball player. I, I don't even know how to quantify it exactly, but you look at the things he does uh, statistically, you try to group him with players, and it is just the absolute cream of the crop of big men in NBA history. And he has to get better defensively. I mean, that really ultimately is the final step for him. I think he has the desire to do it. I think he has the brains to do it. I think he struggled at times knowing how and when to help. I think, you know, they were playing most of the time with two centers. So one of them had to go out to the perimeter, which was often towns, which also, which was often not entirely ideal. But I think he's going to make a step defensively. He is a brilliant offensive player already. Um, and I don't see any reason why he's not over the next you know, year, two years on an all NBA team. Yeah. I think the diehard Wolves fans, the people that are really just living and dying on each possession, they they really want Carl to take the next step defensively. That's obvious. He nationally, people might not realize, but he's been a a very bad defensive player. That's just, that's the reality of the situation. Um, He, you were hoping uh, as a fan base that he can figure it out. Because he was drafted to be the anchor of the defense. And that's exactly what the Wolves need him to be. Also, he exerts so much energy offensively that I think he does have a harder time getting back in transition. And I think he just he loses some awareness defensively. And so I think Wolves fans that are really paying attention, they really are hoping to see that step on the defensive end. Because the guy finished fourth in offensive win shares in the entire NBA. I don't know hmm. how much he can offer more offensively. So it doesn't feel like that. Well, I guess Gorgie Jang can play a little bit of a little bit of defense himself, but the rest of the, the big men off the bench are pretty suspect. Well, now they have um, Taj. What's up? Well, Taj is going to be starting, I'm assuming. Right, right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, right? I mean, I mean, it is kind of two centery players, although Taj is definitely more mobile still. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to watching him. I think we fell asleep on him a little bit last year. And he's only he's so young. I mean, like, we, we give up on these people a little too soon. Yeah, Mike, do you want to feel old for a sec with me? Remember when we saw him play for the Dominican Republic in the, uh, like, qualifier for uh, the Olympics or something like that at Madison Square Garden? And he was, I think he was 17 in that game. And I was only in my late 20s. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah, oh, weird. <laughs> we hadn't been injured and stuff, but anyhow, good question. Yeah, we had a couple good, uh, we had a couple good questions from people, uh, some of them which we've touched on a little bit. Uh, you can always send us questions at limited underscore upside. Um, we talked a little bit about this, um, and I think it, it ties into a lot of different smaller topics with the Wolves, their offseason outside of getting Butler. Uh, they're sort of, we talked a little bit about their style of play. Corbin Ford Watson sends a bunch of questions, and I think one that I think is worth talking about with you guys is Jeff Teague. Uh, over Ricky Rubio like is that actually a positive move uh, I know you both are big Rubio fans um, Candace Hoopas is probably the biggest Rubio backing site out there um, <laughs> obviously they he was never really part of their plan so like swapping him in for Jeff Teague at the price that they got him I mean is that a move that makes you guys upset is that a move that is actually maybe a better fit for the team even if you know you're you guys really like Rubio well, I don't love it. I mean, I didn't love it at the time, and I still don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Rubio fan. I think he has generally been undervalued. You know, and they wound up paying more for, you know, they, they spent some cap space on Teague, replacing, you know, if you look at it as a flip, Rubio for Teague, Teague is more expensive. So they lost a little bit of flexibility by making that move. And... You know, Teague's a fine player. I have no objection to him uh, as a ball player. But I think, you know, I would have really loved to see Rubio have a chance with this group because I think he's a terrific player. He's terrific defensively. 
He the team always is better with him out there. Uh, he makes things work. He in lo- he was for you know in more than one season the difference between them being you know at least watchable versus just being <laughs> abjectly horrendous. And you know I know John agrees. He named his dog after the guy. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about know, that. That was a. That, uh, Yep, that's real. You know that. You know we would have loved to see Rubio happen. Now, I mean, the thinking, or at least the argument, is: look, when you have Butler, who is going to have the ball in his hands a lot, the need for Rubio or Rubio's best talents might be underutilized in that situation, and Teague can play off the ball a little bit better. Though I don't know where this idea that Teague is Teague is not exactly a volume shooter, particularly, at least not of the three pointer. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, I mean, I see the fit, the fit issues that, that, you know, you can't really effectively stick Rubio in a corner. You know, that's not what he does. So, right. right. Yeah. At that yeah. level, you know, I get it. But it is a little frustrating to me that Tibbs, you know, Tibbs walked in the door clearly not wanting Rubio as his point guard. And, was pretty stubborn about it and never changed his mind and eventually traded him and you know we'll see how it goes but yeah i'm disappointed yeah i i think for me and for i think i speak for a lot of fans that have really stuck with the wolves and and rubio he's the source of a lot of people's deep fandom around minneapolis i mean if you're a, a really you know loyal timberwolves fan i think ricky is a big reason why i still remember his, his rookie year just that the just that aura in the arena, the chance of Olay from the upper deck when, you know, the upper deck is always empty. I mean, it, it, he just brought this um, enthusiasm and kind of this just this style of play that really it it breathed life back into the team. So I, I, I know I'll miss him. I know Eric will miss him. I know all of Canisupis will. But <laughs> if if I'm really, you know, I've, I've stepped back from this move and um, to take a page out of Ricky's book, I've. I've changed my face over Jeff T. <laughs> um, That's good. I like it. I because uh, I I really Tibbs at the start of last season. If you rewatch the Wolves games, which nobody does unless you're crazy. Hey, um, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing they did is they just stuck Ricky in the corner, and he he was like he d- was not affecting games whatsoever. He he didn't. It was not the Rubio that you want to see. And taking the ball out of Ricky's hands is not how you want to use him if you want to get the best out of him. And so I, I think we saw what that looked like. And when I watch Jeff Teague, I think this is a guy that he can beat a guy off the dribble. You know, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he can hit a three. I think he's at like 35%, which Rubio is at a 30, 31% guy. So it's an it's a upgrade. I think Teague can finish at the rim. Obviously, that's one of Ricky's biggest flaws. He's not a good finisher at the rim. And Teague really shot the mid-range jumper well. So in my head... I was I've been watching Bulls games too. I'm thinking Jimmy at the top of the arc playing ISO or playing pick and roll, pick and pop ball with Towns. You got Wiggins in one corner, you got Teague in the other corner, or in the slots. I just think that Ricky off ball, it he loses a lot of his the skills that make him so special. Now defensively, that's what I'm worried about because Ricky is a pest and and he his help defense is superb. And I think he's one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. But Jeff Teague, is he average? Is he is he below average? I'm not sure. So I'm interested to see how that works out. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And I, uh, I know we, uh, we had some questions on this from Twitter, Mike. Is there another one from Twitter that we can get into? We talked a little bit about okay. sort of the... Um, Got the one you want? Do, do the, does the whole equal the sum of the parts? Like, yes. is, there, is there shooting going to be an issue? Uh three-pointers i think we've kind of hit a little bit on that um i feel like we spent all this time talking about like why some things make us nervous uh about the walls and yet they have so much talent i mean they may if they certainly have two of the top 15 players in the nba i would say you know and if wiggins makes another jump they could have three of the top 30 to 40. I mean, I'm not sure Wiggins is that good, but like if he's as able to transfer into this role as you want, I don't love the rest of the team, like kind of fit wise, but when you have that and you have a good coach and I guess, you know, Ben, you were talking about like, are we sure like Tibbs is as good a coach as his rep suggests? I think he is mm-hmm. like you have all of this. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a great foundation to start. And like, you know, say what you want about Jimmy Butler. I, I have some questions about like kind of, the locker room fit just because it's a lot of personality coming in. But 
He loves Tibbs, and he's a terrific player. So, I also think that's what they need. I think they need that guy to really control the locker room because I've been in that locker room for the last three years, and like they need a guy to really step up and be that alpha wolf. And ha, I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Mike would like that. Did uh, you did you do that on purpose? I did. Oh, good, good job. Well done. Uh, the leader of the wolf pack, so to speak. Yes. I mean, they, they really do. They really do. I think Carl, he's trying his hardest to grow into that role. And it's he doesn't always do it right. He talks in platitudes and he says things. He doesn't always, um, you know, he gets so down on himself like you guys were talking about. And it, the expectations always seem so great um, in terms of like what he expects from himself and the team. And it's not always realistic, but I just think Butler comes in there and he just gives you that guy. That's just like, all right, put the target on me and uh, you know, I can, I can take this. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, yeah. one I mean, last thing. You need a pain in the ass. I mean, they do. <laughs> and, but you know, Butler is, I mean, you know, you get the sense that, you know, he, he can be grading at times and, in certain situations. I mean, we saw it last year some, I think, with the Bulls, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. He was pretty unhappy and it was pretty obvious. Um, but the Wolves need that. I agree with John. I mean, they, they need somebody who's a little grading who can, you know, uh, they really, they've lacked that. You know, they've been too young or too nice, you know. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, Rubio is the veteran. And, <laughs> He's a great veteran in a lot of ways, but he's, you know, he's a happy guy. I mean, which is great. You need that too, but <laughs> they just didn't have the counter to that exactly. I and think they, is they need the say. mean guy. They need the Draymond, the, the guy who like stirs the pot and like when things are going well, doesn't let them get complacent and like all those platitudes that are things that Carl Anthony Towns says, but might not necessarily actually be yet. But I want to throw one thing in there, guys, which is that. Uh, as, as someone who watches the game, you know, from a national perspective, as, as Mike and I both do, and you guys obviously have a much more. Oh, is, oh. That, is that Ricky? Is that Ricky oh, Rubio? Oh, Rubio is hot. Oh, no, he's mad. Rubio. Sorry. He heard. He heard what. Uh, he heard what he said about his future in Minnesota. Yes. He heard yeah, that he yeah. was too nice. <laughs> he also is just not listening now when you yell Teague. But it's okay. We'll get over that. Um, yeah. But I was gonna say, I, I think it's always good to see young players that want to take on excess accountability and are hard on themselves. And like, it's definitely a trait that will mature into a better thing to have going for you as a younger player than something where it's like, uh, you know, he didn't give a shit and uh, he burned out despite having tons of talent. Like you don't want the Michael Beasley necessarily. You want the Carl Anthony Towns. And I think it's ultimately it's going to project well. Uh, and, and I'm, uh, I'm definitely excited to uh, to see how the season goes. We'll come back with with plenty more here, including I think there's banana boat on the other side. Of it, Mike, is oh that yeah, that? oh yeah, our favorite question. Always, always cool. A little quick break, and then we'll be right back. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter. It feels really smooth coming off your skin. It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor 
with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of pork cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. Okay, we're back. The Limited Upside Team Preview Series, Part 9 of 30, Minnesota Timberwolves, Eric Goldman and John Meyer from Kindness Hoopus. Friends, we're going to try something new. We haven't done one of these yet on uh, one of our team previews, but I don't know why Ben decided this was the episode we should try this, but um, he did. We're going to play a little game of word association, and because, Ben, this is your idea, I'll let you have the floor. Sure. Okay, cool, guys. So, uh, John, I'll give you one first, and word association here is obviously going to be uh, – uh, you know, a, a person. So I'm going to tell you somebody's name and you're going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. And, uh, and Eric, just real quick, no explanation needed here. I, I, we're going to try to go a little quicker and then we'll talk about uh, why, why we were at, uh, where we were at from the answers. So uh, first word uh, association here was con. Incompetent. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> that works. Mike? Man, you guys chose some good ones. Um, Mana. (laughs) What was that? Mana, like mana from heaven. Mana from heaven. (laughs) Got it. Fantastic. Way to go with the the most obvious. No, it makes no sense. Um, Let's see. Next one. Why is Uh, that the most obvious one? I'm kidding, man. It was was joking. Um, Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Of course. Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, Eric, you can go first this time. Spreewell. Family. Spinners. (laughs) Spinners. <laughs> Spinners. <laughs> Mike, have a stab. I was going to say family. <laughs> family. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's see. Next one here. Playoffs. What? What? You talking playoffs? <laughs> Mora. <laughs> yeah, Mora. Mora's the answer. That's correct. Mora was the answer there. Um, let's see if I can somehow get a Herm Edwards answer uh, later on in this word association. Okay. Uh, next up. Um, Tibbs. Ice. Oh, damn it. You just stole mine. <laughs> Ice. <laughs> Is film room one word or two? Can I, like, sneak that in? We'll give you that. We'll give you that. All right, Eric, what do you got? Raspy. Raspy. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Raspy's a good one. Yeah, I just think voice. Something about the way Tibbs projects himself is just, uh, well, it's like, you know, it's vintage weird like circa doc what night 2009 uh but with a much more graspy undertone okay could, could you imagine if if tibbs like kind of had the darth vader mask and like he said like would his voice sound any different it's true no it'd be, it'd be perfect they, they were like hey we uh we had this issue it didn't sound evil enough so we just got a new guy we put a mask on he's perfect i mean if they ever obsessive if they ever bring a if they ever bring darth yeah. vader back in any of the future star wars films and james earl jones is probably you know, not sure there's much else he can do. Like, you just call up Tibbs. He can be a voice actor. <laughs> Perfect. Just has to scream the entire time. Um, okay, next. Mike, you can have the first one here. Uh, and then Eric. Uh, and then John. Uh, uh, Glenn Taylor. I'm going to say interesting. Uh, parochial. Parochial. Ooh, I like that. That's good. I'll go with country club that's not I, one word i don't think but <laughs> hyphen if you use it as an adjective it's a hyphenated so like you could say yeah, you there could you say go. my word is an adjective yeah country club. country club i'm gonna give that to you as well uh we'll do uh we'll do one more one more here uh that is canis hoopus well oh, that's a curveball mm-hmm. it's the one communist <laughs> wow <laughs> Jeez. What did he say? What he's did he a say? communist. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, he's not wrong. Um, 
Smart. I'm going to go with smart. <laughs> I'm going to bring this back around a little bit. Yeah, and optimistic would be mine right now. Which is very much not not Canis Hoopus's history. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, you never uh, say you didn't say KG. No word association yeah, for KG. I, I, you know, Mike. You know, I feel like KG. Yeah, guys. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Icon. <laughs> uh, obsessed. Possible. Although I guess that wasn't with possible. the that wasn't with the wolves, so that's probably a bad choice. Yeah, ooh, possible Actually, to yeah. trade it from Minnesota and then win a title somewhere else. It's like the, you know, <laughs> anything. Uh, anything is possible. <laughs> I'll change. I'll change my answer to possessed when he headbutt the wall because of the whatever that show he watched. <laughs> oh right, that's right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go with a uh, uh, fake tough guy. Um, but anyhow, oh well, you just like slipping I'm, that little jab in there uh, and then I, running I, I away. Kevin Garnett fan is a basketball player. I just always he's the ultimate hold me back guy on the court like he got in so many scrums where he, he knew he was never going to do anything but no one ever did anything because like you didn't really want to find out what would happen and i appreciate that too you kind of um, kevin garnett garnetted that sort of shot in there you kind of slipped it in <laughs> and then ran away and then tried to backpedal from it i do like that he's got some airtime though on national television now it's fun to see people uh you know get a little little view of the guy now I agree. after the game is uh, I agree. the non-crazy guy on the basketball court but um Let's see. Let's move on to the next topic here. I love this one. I, I have to put you guys through some more misery here before we get back to the good stuff. Oh, I love it. Actually, this Go is ahead. probably a good – this is not misery. This is probably actually like a chance to undo what was wrong. Um, the first person in our word association was David Kahn, obviously. He was the infamous general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves during a dark period of their time. You have been given – I am a genie. Which sounds weird. I am a wish. I am like a, a wish genie. Can I isolate that sound, by the way. Can I isolate that sound. I'm gonna give it to my nanny, and we're gonna make a meme out of that. All right. I'm a, I'm like kind of a like undo history basketball history genie, and I've granted you only one wish to undo any David one and only one of David Kahn's mistakes during his tenure for the Timberwolves. Eric, which one are you undoing? Well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the rules are here, but I mean, I guess I thought very that, hard about this you know, question. It's, it's the, I mean, drafting Johnny Flynn instead of Steph Curry. Right? That's the <laughs> obvious answer, right? I mean, there are a bunch of others that I can think of, and I'm sure John will hit a good one too. But yeah, I mean that 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 one, 2000, <laughs> 2008, no, 2009. Sorry, draft. They had the fifth and sixth pick. They took Rubio fifth. Steph Curry was sitting there as the greatest five minutes of my of my Wolves fandom between those picks because I was like on the phone with a friend of mine screaming about how we were getting Rubio and Curry, and then that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Steph Curry, John? I mean, Eric's right. That's the most obvious answer, and it's the correct answer. I still remember sitting in the upper deck at Target Center. I was at the draft party. I mean, they just picked Ricky Rubio, and I had studied abroad in Spain uh, before that, uh, and I really wanted Ricky Rubio because my host dad, we would watch DKV games together, and I was like, this guy's magical. We need him. And then uh, they picked Rubio, and it was a dream come true. And then I just remember sitting up there just like, oh, my God, they have, if they get Steph Curry here, like it's the obvious pick, Steph Curry. But I think – and they didn't do it, of course, and you know the, the rest is history – I think another one that really bothered me over time was picking Wes Johnson fourth when DeMarcus Cousins was sitting on the board. Uh, I thought that Love and Cousins just could have just together would have just been, it just would have been a load for so many teams. They could not handle that. So that, that really bothered me for a long time. And the other big answer is Rambus, right? I mean, yeah. Picking Rambus. God, we, we could go on for a long ass time. I'm surprised none of you, neither of you guys mentioned the like, just give Kevin Love the five year max. <laughs> uh, I don't blame Khan as much for that. I mean, it's it's tough to parse out who was thinking what, but I, that one is as much on Glenn Taylor as it is on Khan. That's fair. Okay. Now, I have to ask this one other hypothetical that we asked uh, Zach Harper back in the day, and we have both two Wolves fans, and I don't know, it just popped back into my head. Would you rather have everything play out the way it has, and you have this team, but you also have, of course, all those years of pain, or Con drafts Steph Curry, but he's still the GM today? 
Wow, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. I'm tongue-tied Zach, too. That was I the mean, thing. It, it was like, uh, you're going back it, now and having to think about how horrible it was to have Khan, you know, on your team, too. That emotion, you have to put yourself back in those shoes. I mean, if it's Khan being the same GM he actually was, but just not making that dumb error, um, then, I mean, I don't know how much better they'd be. I mean, he probably would have traded the guy away when he had some ankle problems <laughs> early in his career. You know, I mean, let's put it this way. It was never going to work out with Connor's GM. He wasn't good enough. And so I guess I'd take this, even though it's been a miserable few years, uh, you know, since Con was a bunch of years uh, since then. But I don't think it would have been a lot better, even with Curry, if we still had Con because they were never going to be good with him. He just, he wasn't... Yeah. He wasn't good enough at the job. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question, though, Mike, because it just it popped in my head, and I think it's sensical here. It's not exactly on con, but like, uh, are you guys happy that you were able to flip done so quickly and just punt on that pick, as in like tossing away, which was another well, they get them Jimmy, they get them Jimmy Butler. No, no, I'm, I'm saying, but I mean, punting is in like you don't have to have you don't have to worry about this guy specifically progressing in the type of player you need him to be. Because I'm someone who was never that high on on done myself. I will say it's something that the Timberwolves have almost never been able to do. They always hang on to their guys before the, I mean, you want to deal a guy before the rest of the league knows what he is. All right. Yeah. We, we, we traded Adrian, we traded for Adrian Payne. The Hawks knew exactly that Adrian Payne was not a good player. And we take rid of Oak for him. I'm a Sixers fan. He is the exact example of showing your hand to the entire world. So, yeah, I think I, while Chris Dunn is an extremely promising wing defender, I think he, uh, he's a rim protecting guard. That's crazy. Uh, he, his steal rate and his block rate, I think only Eric Bledsoe and Dwayne Wade posted those kind of numbers. Hmm. And not even as rookies, just as guards. Uh, so that's incredible. But offensively, he's a mess. He's a disaster. Everything goes way too fast for him. So is his ceiling Marcus Smart? Is it Tony Allen? Probably. And so yes, getting flipping him for Jimmy Butler is like like yeah. a walk off grand slam. Let's go run into the streets and party. Yeah. Like I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like Chris Dunn would be awesome if basketball was played like hockey and everybody kind of had these one minute shifts that they kind of mm-hmm. went in and out in the flow of the game. And so all he had to do, or like if he was only a penalty kill specialist. Right. I feel Detect like he'd be... 10-point lead with like two minutes left. Right. I feel like he would be awesome at that. Yeah, I was just going to make John answer the hypothetical because I'm a I'm a mean person. But let's say like Steph has like a, no, not a real no trade clause, but like functionally like Khan cannot trade him. I think the right answer is taking Curry. But I think my answer <laughs> is because I've had to suffer through this all is just to say... Like, I'm good with this team. I think that Carl Anthony Towns is an amazing player, and he's already one of the best players in the NBA, and I think he's going to go down as, you know, one of the greatest big men of all time. And so I think experiencing that is, is for me, is worth taking that path. Yeah, uh, I, think I, would also, I think I would also take Steph from the right move. But then you're right, the ankle injury. It's basically the Zach Levine knee injury. But again, the circumstance to trade him came up. So, um, alas, let's get to something else here. <laughs> the banana boat. Let's talk let's about the banana boat. I was going to start laughing as I look at the agenda and I see banana boat. All right, cool. So which three players um, – John, you can go first. You, you got to go last uh, that last question. Which three players in Timberwolves history would you want on your banana boat? This is vacation with you. You're the fourth guy on the boat with these three. It's not necessarily like I'm building a four-on-four basketball team and I need these three guys help to win games. It's I want to be on a banana boat hanging out on, you know, whatever little island with these dudes. Yeah, so I I actually thought about this question for like two hours today. And, wow. That's more uh, than yes. Kenny thought about it last night. And Kenny had like the, <laughs> the Kings podcast. <laughs> Kenny had the most detailed answer. So two hours. I hope you, you got to have something. Was great, well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, first of all, it's very hard for me to cut somebody out of this. I mean, you, only three? That's, yes. Yeah. That it's hurts. yeah. So I think, I mean, Ricky Rubio for sure. Cause he's just, he's such a fun person to be around. He's like uplifting. He just makes you feel better about life. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, just because how of just how good he is. And I would just like to spend some time with him. And I would like to kind of get behind that curtain a little bit. See that side of Towns that you're like, you know, is there, but he doesn't want to present because he's, he's so busy trying to be 
the franchise and say all the right things and the perfect things. I just want to get that unfiltered side of Towns. Yeah, feel the uh, feel the onion back a little bit, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And so my third one, it really this is where I struggle. I'm like, which Kevin do I pick? And I'm not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about Kevin Martin. I'm talking about <laughs> KG and Kevin Love cuz for 6 years Kevin Love was my favorite player. He was the the great white hope in the north. I mean, mm-hmm. like the guy really gave you hope because he was so great. But I think at the end of the day, if I'm spending it on a banana boat, I want I want KG's personality because yeah. love he, he could be a little boring. So I'll go Ricky KG and Towns. I feel like one. I would not want a vacation with Kevin Garnett. <laughs> I think he'd be awesome on vacation. You think man. so? I mean, like, like the, oh yeah, yeah. that would be my favorite version of Kevin Garnett. I think he'd just be having a great time. I feel like he would yeah. challenge me to have like the best vacation of my life. He'd be like, dude, you. <laughs> You are not having a good enough time. Like, I, I don't know. You do have, like, the uh, tough love of KG mixed with, like, the good cop of Ricky Rubio. So, like, I mean, you definitely have those two dynamics. And I guess, it, see, if you want KG on your vacation, I feel like you have to have other people who, like, are not talkers. You have to kind of let KG dominate. He's sort of he's sort of the version of the ball-dominant vacationer. You kind of just want him to be in this one role, you know, and you want just kind of 3 and D listeners around him. <laughs> Yeah, John only got one of those right, actually. Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, Go on. Rubio, Rubio is one of the three. He's the correct answer. I cannot believe we had a five-minute conversation so far about this, and Michael Beasley has not come up. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You guys, I'm the oldest person on this call by far, I am sure. And uh, I'm hugely disappointed in the youth of today uh beasley's obvious yeah that's good there. and you know the third is a little tough i did not spend two hours thinking about this in fact i don't think i spent two seconds thinking about this <laughs> until john started talking and getting everything wrong <laughs> um but i think you know but i do think that if you have ricky and mike you do need i mean you were talking about this you need a talker then you need to and I, so I think then the, the third guy is probably Sam Cassell. I was going to say Sam Cassell, too. One. I was going to say, where's Sam Cassell in this discussion? So Beasley, Cassell, Rubio. Yeah, I mean, I could get, yeah, that works. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Hey, uh, man, shoot, shoot me for wanting to be on a banana boat with the three of the best wolves. It's, you know? it's not like Sorry. a talent thing. It's like a who do I actually want to hang out with thing, though. Yeah. yeah, but I want to say that I hung out with the three best wolves. I mean, I we all have our. You know. I guess that's true. Nobody from the '90s. I was trying to think of who, like, on yeah, some of those too. '90s teams would like be good. Like, would you want Steph Marbury on on the boat with you? I feel like he, he'd be kind uh, of. No. I was thinking about that, but no, not that. No, Cherokee no, Parks. <laughs> I'm not trying to eat Vaseline. I'm not. This is not a Vaseline <laughs> boat. Um, Cherokee Park. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just naming people from like the '90s Timberwolves. Yeah. Or where's Rasha right, right. yeah, You know, I wouldn't want to be hanging out with Rashad McCants. He'd probably tell on us and get us all in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. I actually think what UNC did was reprehensible. But uh, just a quick, <laughs> quick Rashad McCants. <laughs> um, uh, rest in peace, Eddie Griffin. There's another guy. Uh, I, I saw Eddie Griffin play in high school, and I would like to be able to hang out with him and tell him that uh, when he played against Duan Wagner that it was one of the most incredible high school games I ever saw. It was at the Leah Chorus Center at Temple. It was packed gym. It was two, two, you know, one and two uh, prospects in America playing. So that was cool. So rest in peace, Eddie Griffin. Um, to, just to throw those two uh, out there. And then Ricky Davis will be a oh, to hang out with. Oh, too. yes. That's that's the one that we forgot. <laughs> Ricky so Davis. I had written down as well. I think they all played together in one of the, you know, mid, mid-2000s-ish. <laughs> 2005, yeah. 2006, 2007, something like that. But yeah. anyhow. I feel like Al Jefferson maybe would be good. And like, again, if you have a talker and you just need someone to sit there and laugh, like, I feel like Al Jefferson would be a good kind of chemistry guy. If you want a guy to just sit there and just like laugh and smile, I'd say Andrew Wiggins, right? You could be like the DD. It's perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, All right, cool. So let's get to the final part here, guys. We get you on the record with your predictions uh, for how the season's going to go. So I just want to hear from both of you here. John, you can go first. Uh, and tell us what you think the uh, the worst case and best case scenarios are, and then give us a wins prediction on the year. Uh, keeping in mind they were 31 and 51 last year, 13th in the West. So what what are they going to be this season? So give us best case, worst case, and then wins prediction. Yeah, I think the best case has got to be about 48 wins, 49 wins. They get the fourth seed in the West, 
and they're they play about the same offense. They're tenth in offensive rating. They're they're twenty seventh in defense rating. I'll say that defensive rating jumps into like oh I don't know seventeenth or so. Fifteenth, mm-hmm. and and I think they're just a, a team that the whole West is really looking at is like okay they, they we don't want to really play these guys. Uh, worst case scenario, I think Jimmy Butler misses twenty games, and the Timberwolves win thirty eight games, and they miss the playoffs. Wow, that that is a much more subdued than I expected. I would have thought like best case is like honestly mid fifties, but maybe I'm getting way ahead of myself. Well, Mike, give me your best case, worst case, and then and then Eric, you close this out because uh, you're the elder statesman here. Yeah, I I would have said like best case is like they hit the ground running and they win in fifty three, fifty four games and get the four seed. Uh, and worst case is you know there's they clash in the locker room and they're kind of like the eight seed or they barely miss the playoffs. So I'm in a weird position where I'm more optimistic about the best case than uh, John is. I'm a Timberwolves fan, man. I've been conditioned to like, I mean, last year I came on this same podcast with you guys and I was saying how like, hey, this is the time is now for Wolves fans. Like, I really thought that they were going to break the curse and everything went wrong. And um, so I just I I guess I I also don't want to get too high. Okay, I like the expectation setting. Last year was a bizarre year in terms of they they should have had a much better record, but they had that really strange third quarter situation early in the season so like i feel like they're better than their record indicated i think so too i mean they were it was supposed to be expected win value was like 38 wins and they won 31 so that's a pretty big difference a huge um, difference huge difference huge not difference. quite as big as that 2014 team which was like supposed to be a 15 yeah. win team and missed the playoffs right yeah, that's brutal but uh I'll, I'll just i'll give you my quick one before i let eric be the closer here again um I, I have them being right around the fifth seed in in, in the west and then also being around 53 wins and i, I don't think there's gonna be a worst case it's gonna be a positive season guys it's gonna be a breakthrough year uh and when i said this about oklahoma city many years ago uh mike um i, I felt like that was the time for them to kind of start to um, you know, mature into the team people wanted them to be and this feels like a threshold um you know season for for this team where they're gonna break through and and really show um this the 25 national games specifically the nba tv games um who they really are um so i'm ex- excited uh to see i mean honestly i'm excited to see everyone them, them coalesce and have tibbs have a, a second season um you know of, of kind of growing these players into who he wants them to be and maybe that's where you'll see the biggest improvement in wiggins is the message get through to him on the defensive end from from uh, tibbs but um eric give me your uh projection here and, and close this out yeah sure you know i as listening to you guys i was thinking I am generally the pessimistic misanthrope of Wolves fandom and Wolves blogdom and Twitterdom. And I think I probably have sounded like that for much of this podcast. That said, I'm actually, my best case is, I would say, yeah, it's more like you guys than like John's. I mean, I think there is a best case where they're in the mid-50s. They have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, everything, you know, clearly is going their way and, and looking up and, you know, sky's the limit and all of that stuff. I mean, worst case, ignoring obviously catastrophic injuries um, is right. You know, they don't have much depth right now. They only have 11 guys on the roster uh, and they need that. They don't get it. Um, they wind up down you know, closer to 500 on the cusp of the playoffs, either in or out. And it's overall a little disappointing. If I had to pick a number I, right now, I mean, I don't know, 48 wins is my nice. prediction. Very Boom. scientific. On the on the record. Fantastic. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're holding you to that. <laughs> I got to say, best case scenario, 82 and 0. Boom. Every year they start off with that as a legitimate well, not legitimate, but an absolute possibility. I'm surprised um, nobody else has said, like, oh, yeah, the best case is 82 and 0, and the worst case is 0 and 82, which is like, yeah, hey, yeah, thanks, but- buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. That's why we get the best of the best on here, Mike, for those bold types of predictions. Cool. This is fun. Mike, what's the next uh, team podcast we have? Just, just real quick. Uh, probably New Orleans or Charlotte. Okay. I don't know which All one. Right. So that's what people can, can look forward to. But this was a lot of fun. Uh, Eric Goldman, John Meyer, it's great to have you guys on here. Again, for you, John, first time for you, Eric. So we'd obviously love to have you guys back on at some point, maybe when we preview the uh, the playoffs or something. Looking forward to the first round uh, four or five matchup that 
Minnesota will be playing in. So that'll be that'll be awesome. And we'll, we'll probably do that on the heels of the Sixers 4-5 matchup with the Wizards, and we'll call it a joint pod. Sound good, right. guys? Right. Sounds Absolutely. great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ben. Always. Thanks, Mike. Great, great to hear from you guys. And, uh, and Mike, always good to talk to you, buddy. Uh, even though we did this remotely today, I'm in my little tiny recording closet. Mike, I don't know where you are right now, but uh, slightly a things. slightly bigger recording closet, <laughs> bigger recording closet. But anyway, we'll be coming at you guys next with uh, the the uh, New Orleans or Charlotte. Uh, so look forward to that. And again, these are the uh, summer team preview editions of the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>